1: Welcome to The Waves, Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and unapologetic, transformative life shifts. Every episode, you get a new pair of feminists to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. And today, you've got me, T.K. Dutess, and I'm on a mission to renew my spirit in the face of unchecked capitalism and all the other isms that plague us. For inspo, I'll be joined by Patti Lin. She's a former television screenwriter, producer, and author of the new book, End Credits, How I broke up with Hollywood. Now, I'm not a television writer, and not many of us are. But there are certain cultural attitudes that transcend many workplaces toxic bosses, hustle culture, quote, earning your keep, all that bullshit. And for many of us, we hit a breaking point and we start to ask ourselves do I need to make a big change? kind of in that spot myself, actually. Earlier this year, I sat with my friend and we talked about what it would take to go on sabbatical. I had been recently laid off, I was grieving a recent loss, and I was trying to come to terms with a string of exploitative experiences that spanned several years in a field that I loved. Eventually, the stress caused mental health and physical issues that I couldn't ignore. To say it was a good time to take a break was putting it lightly.
0: Where did all the workers go? Millions of women are still missing from the workplace, and the situation actually got worse when schools reopened in September. Natural black hair is often unfairly looked at as
1: inappropriate in places like the work environment, school, and even on camera. However, legislation first passed in 2019 is hoping to make
0: that discrimination illegal. Labor Day return-to-office mandates yearn for normal, but the pre-COVID workplace... Is gone.
1: Since the COVID lockdowns, it seemed like everyone was reevaluating their relationship to work. Workers in major industries have been vocal about their needs, like whether to go into an office or remain remote, speaking up about representation, or demanding fair wages and hours. Recently, the Writers Guild of America ratified a contract that ended a five month strike, fighting for all of the above and then some. And a big reason they were striking was for an increase in transparency and compensation for streaming shows. Because before streaming, TV writers got money through residuals if a show got really big. Shows like the ones Patty Lynn used to write for, like Breaking Bad.
0: You're turning down one and a half million dollars.
1: I am not turning down the money. I am turning down you. Freaks and geeks.
0: Lindsay, tell him.
1: It's not gonna help him.
0: Lindsay, just say the words. It'll make him feel better.
1: Sam, you have a beautiful body. You're an Adonis. A slab of beef. If I wasn't your sister, oh my God.
0: Lindsay, canon.
1: And friends. Oh, I just wish we hadn't lost those four months.
0: But if time was what you needed just to gain a little perspective. <laughs> we were on the break!
1: By all accounts, on the outside, Patty was killing it. Like me, a first-gen child of immigrants, we were taught to have an uncompromising work ethic.
0: My parents were Taiwanese immigrants, and they came to the United States in the late 60s, and they worked really, really hard to have a middle-class lifestyle and to raise my brother and me in a way where we didn't have to go through the hardships that they went through when they were growing up in Taiwan. And it's the classic immigrant story. And so I watched them work really hard and they pushed me and my brother to work hard as well.
1: So what Patty did was something a lot of people have a hard time even thinking about. She took a break.
0: When I was working in TV and I was completely burnt out after a few years and I just didn't know, how I was gonna survive this, I decided to take a sabbatical for a year. And that was something that people didn't do in entertainment, right? Like, it's because, like, if you were doing really well, like your career was going well and you were getting jobs, it just seemed crazy to say, I'm just gonna stop working for a little while because those jobs are so hard to get.
1: Today, we're talking about her sabbatical why she needed one, and the radical changes Patty Lynn took to save her own life. More to come after the break. Hey, Waves listeners! If you're loving the show and want to hear more, subscribe to our feed. New episodes come out every Thursday morning. While you're there, check out our other episodes, too like last week's about how female bosses can still be just as toxic and exploitative as male ones. Ask me how I know they're also doing a weekly recap of the first season of the golden bachelor every Friday. Check it out. Welcome back to the Waves. I'm TK, and I'm joined now by Patty Lynn, accomplished screenwriter, producer, and the author of End Credits: How I Broke Up with Hollywood. Patty, I'm going to jump right into it. I related to this book so much. I'm in new media, podcasting, and it's it's coming to its own place of reckoning. Let's be real, and we keep seeing the same things over and over in TV, Hollywood, film, audio. It's it's us a lot. You've outlined so many ways that you've been disenfranchised in this line of work. Honestly, that's kind of a buzzword for me. So like the first thing I want to get into is that disenfranchisement, this idea that like stress has to precede success. Can you talk about that mindset? Where does it come from? Why are we like this?
0: Well, for me, it came from, I I can kind of trace it back to a very specific event in my life, which is, it's kind of cool because a lot of times you, you have these neuroses and you don't really know where they come from. But this time I remember very distinctly when I was a sophomore in high school, I had to write a paper for my English class and it was about the Scarlet Letter. And, uh, I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's really hard to understand, (laughs) Um, I tried not to rely on cliff notes, but you know, um, and, and so I, I, up to that point, like I had often procrastinated on my homework assignments and this was one of those times. And I had to write this paper. It was due the next day. And so I pulled my first all-nighter. I stayed up the entire night writing this paper and, uh, I was delirious by the time morning came and, thought that I had written a masterpiece. <laughs> now, I haven't read this paper in a very long time. I don't know. Maybe it is good. I I, I don't really care to look at it now. <laughs> but um, I turned it in and I got an A plus on it. And I remember that feeling of like, this is the secret, right? Like this is the secret to success is not necessarily staying up all night to do a project, but just that feeling of absolute panic, and then just pushing yourself to the limit. And I thought that that was key to my success. And I and it just that belief just became ingrained in me subconsciously. And so even now, sometimes like this is, you know, many years later, and I've been through therapy, and I've identified this, you know, this neurosis. Even now, sometimes I catch myself sort of feeling like, oh, if it's too easy, if it's painless, then it's not going to be good. Okay. So you said in the book, taking a
1: sabbatical saved my life, but it also seems like you were at odds with your upbringing. And as a fellow first gen, my parents are from the Caribbean. So there was a lot of messaging there. And there's also that like, American way thing, work, 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 hard work, bootstrap. And it's part of the stress before success conversation. Were you socialized towards this mindset of like pushing through and making it work by any means necessary?
0: Oh, absolutely. My parents were Taiwanese immigrants and they came to the United States in the late sixties. And they, um, they worked really, really hard to, have a middle-class lifestyle and to raise my brother and me in a way where we didn't have to go through the hardships that they went through when they were growing up. When I was working in TV and I was completely burnt out after a few years and I just didn't know how I was going to survive this, I decided to take a sabbatical for a year. And that was something that people didn't do in in. In entertainment. So nobody I knew in my field was doing that voluntarily. And then on top of that, you know, my parents just didn't understand the concept of taking time off like that, you know, like they would take like a week off for vacation, you know, once a year, and that's it. So it was definitely radical to decide to take that time off. And I had to struggle a lot with feeling like I was worthless and I was uh, taking up like space, you know? <laughs> like like I just felt like I was the laziest person on earth and that if I wasn't doing something productive that I didn't deserve to live, you know? I mean, I'm being dramatic, but that's kind of what I felt all the time. To the point where like if I was even just relaxing at all, I would get this like sudden jolt of anxiety of like, oh, I can't be relaxing. Like, I need to be doing something productive. So it took a lot to work through that.
1: Absolutely. And I'm reading, as I'm reading your book and I'm learning all the ways, right? (laughs) I'm learning the ways of Patty Lynn. And I'm learning like how you think (laughs) about things. This guilt, I've felt it too, but it also feels so wild to me to hear you express that? Because when I'm listening to you, like in the audiobook talk about it, you're doing a lot of work. Your, your new job was wellness.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a good way of putting it.
1: What were you doing? You know, like what were your wellness practices? Because like you were busy to me. And so, so when you say like, I felt guilty about being, you know, lazy and and I just think people outside of that will never understand all the work it takes to be healthy.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think there was there were a few things that were going on during that sabbatical. And one was that I was actively having fun. You know, like I decided that that was gonna be a priority for me for like the first time ever. So I would do things like, you know, go to rock concerts and, I, or I would just, uh, you know, anything that sort of, interested me or struck my fancy, I would just do it. And then another thing was that I was starting to get into um, yoga and taking care of my body and sort of studying the mind-body connection because for such a long time, I'd had uh, so many physical ailments that I did not realize at the time were totally you know related to what was going on with me mentally and emotionally, for instance, when I was working at the Letterman Show, that was like my first job out of college, and it was very stressful because the boss that I had there was just not cool. <laughs> put it lightly, not cool. <laughs> yeah, and i was I was doing a job there that I just was had no interest in it in. I was in the accounting department, and I didn't want to be doing that. I wanted to be doing something creative. So I just I would get colds all the time, like much more than the normal person. And when I would get a cold, it would last for weeks. And I would just feel so run down all the time. I would get canker sores in my mouth. I mean, this just like went on for years, you know, and then like when I became a TV writer, you know, a lot of that, I I still had physical stuff going on, maybe not the same things, but I would have TMJ where I would like grind my teeth at night. And so I would wake up with like a really sore jaw and I I had hemorrhoids all the time from being a writer because we sat on our butts like all day. And would not eat healthily and you know so it was just like one thing after another. And so when I took that year off, I started to put the pieces together and I realized that all of these things are not random. And I just started to really pay attention to what was going on in my body and just like immediately attend to these things that you that it before I would just kind of sweep under the rug, you know like, oh, it'll just go away. And it never did. So, I was doing that and like learning to do yoga was also a big help because that just strengthened my ability to pay attention to things, especially to what was going on in my own body. And then I also started therapy. I started going to a therapist and diving into these things that I had never really examined. I never had the time to examine them. And I went there initially because I wanted to improve. My relationship with my family, but it just kind of that was just the tip of the iceberg. You know, there were there were so many other things that I had to deal with. <laughs> if you were that like iceberg
1: meme, that's the top, and then like the part that you can see, and then the part that you can't see is like you know hemorrhoids and all these other ailments. And yeah, you know they say like the body keeps score, and it's a cliche for a reason. It's true. Was one of these ailments the one that was just like, no, if I don't stop, I don't know what, what's what's going to happen. Was there a breaking point?
0: Well, the TMJ got really bad, really, really bad. You know, I mean, I I would wake up in the morning and just feel like somebody punched me in the jaw, and I mean, that's a horrible feeling. And I I didn't know what to do. I probably talked about it with my doctor, but I don't think that they had like a fix for it. They gave me a night guard, so I wouldn't grind my teeth down. But that doesn't stop you from grinding. You know, it just stops your teeth from getting damaged. And so it was really, you know, I'm not diagnosing anyone else. I'm just saying that for me, it was, that was a sign that I was not living the life that I should be living. And the point at which that TMJ got so bad was when I was working at this one show, which I didn't even put this in the book because there were so many, I had so many stories, so many jobs that I had to cut some of them out because the book just got too long, you know, But there was this one job where, <laughs> there was one job that I had. It was only like it I think it was like a two month gig, but it was so bad. The hours were terrible as usual. But also, my boss, she wanted everyone to be there all the time, even if they didn't have anything to do. I mean, she literally said to us, You cannot make social plans without running them by me first. And we thought that was nuts. Uh, (laughs) And we, we said, Well, we'd rather just make plans. And then if we have to cancel them because of work, we'll cancel them. And she said, No, 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 because then I'll feel guilty that you had to cancel. So, this is the, the level of neurosis that I, ha- that I had to deal with in my boss. And I didn't know if I was going to make it through the two months. That's how bad it was. And that's when the TMJ was just getting so bad. And this is like after years of stress and years of discovering that the TV business was not what I had thought it was going to be. So it was like there was a cumulative effect going on. And That's the point at which I took the sabbatical. And I'm telling you, the minute I made the decision to stop working, the TMJ went away immediately. I never had it again. That
1: is so wild. So this whole, the body and the TMJ, and I mean, I'll share with you that for me, it showed up as um, fibroids Mm. and, you know. You talk about having hemorrhoids. I mean, I was sitting on my beanbag, fielding some crazy emails, getting ready to go into a recording, not knowing what kind of fire was going to be in that inbox. Mm -hmm. And I stood up and I was just bleeding. (gasps) Oh my God. And I looked into, you know, fibroids are partially caused by increased stress hormones Stress hormones. way uh, they were just raging through my body, and that's how it showed. That's how I knew. And guess what, Patty? Is this? Let me ask you. You know, therapize me real quick. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't stop. Like I knew I had to stop. I tried, but I think I had a failed sabbatical.
0: Like, uh. <laughs> what is? What does that say about me? I don't know. How long did you take off? I don't. <laughs> okay or did you did you take any time off
1: so what happened was i i think i i, I wanted to i took time off in relation to the ailment right then uh-huh, i tried right. to eat well exercise do all the things um did some more gigs and then i finally said actually more recently in the maybe last year or so i was like i it's time i'm taking a sabbatical i met with You know, women that were doing this and they gave me advice, and for some, somehow work weaseled its way in. Right. I don't know how that happened.
0: It's tough. I mean, it's tough. Like when I did it, it, you know, I was the job that I had was very much like I was either in it or I wasn't in it. You know, like I think now people's careers are a little bit more fluid. And there's a lot more freelance kind of stuff going on and gig work, so it's a little harder to just say I- I'm not going to take anything because, like, for me, it was just like I just told my agent like I'm not working for a year, and that was it. You know, it wasn't like I constantly had to field opportunities that were coming my way. I mean, yeah, they they were definitely calls that were made to my agent like, "Hey, is Patty available?" But I I told him to say no. And so I I think it was helpful to like have that just like one sort of uh, channel that I could just close off. We're going to take a break here,
1: but if you want to hear more from Patty Lynn and me, check out our Slate Plus segment where we dive into another important part of Patty's book. How her closest relationships changed and in some cases fell apart when she decided to go on sabbatical. And please consider supporting the show by joining Slate Plus. Members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast, no hitting the paywall on the Slate site, and bonus content for shows like this one. To learn more, go to slate.com slash thewavesplus. Welcome back to The Waves. I'm TK Dutess with author and former TV writer, Patty Lynn. So Patty, a lot of people will scoff at the notion of taking a sabbatical because I tried, it didn't stick. It takes an immense amount of privilege to do it. As a Black woman, like, I've had to pay up front for the privilege of rest. I have to hustle, bust my butt, and still going on vacation is a huge deal. It still costs. Like people who go on parental leave, there's no guaranteed placeholder for them. There's a million people waiting to replace you. Did you find that there was a price to pay to take the time
0: that you needed to take? You know, I, I'm sure there are opportunities that I missed, but to me, it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it because the the state that I was in before I took that time off, I just, I knew it was unsustainable. You know, I I was just losing my mind. And so it, I really felt that I had no choice. Now, yes, I was privileged, to be able to take a year off you know and at the time you know working in tv i was making good money that was back in the old days when tv writers made good money and i also had a safety net because i know that my my parents wouldn't have let me starve i was in a long term relationship with another hollywood writer who was also doing really well financially and so that was another safety net so i had all sorts of safety nets and i appreciate that and i know that not everybody has that but there are people who have plenty of safety nets, and they just refuse to stop going because they're so afraid of like what's going to happen if I if I stop being productive for two seconds. And I think that the the main thing is not so much the fear of missing out on career opportunities, but it's more of an existential fear for a lot of people. Where it, it was for me anyway, this feeling of like if I'm not being productive, then who am I? Who, you know, what is my worth in this world? And that's something that I think we all need to deal with, you know, because that's not a healthy way to
1: live. And it's very, I mean, work is very problematic. If you just look at the news every night, there's a different industry that's going through a thing, right? The writer's guild strike, another one (laughs) just happened, Amazon workers um everyone is having a problem with the workplace so is the I mean I the problem isn't us right it's the systems
0: right oh absolutely mm-hmm.
1: cuz you went back to work after a year did you feel like I don't want to say the word failed but it's like the one that's coming to mind because the systems were still there doing what they do right the sexism the racism the overwork the underpaid the going on strike all that was still there mm-hmm you fell back into some old patterns, you know, unhealthy eating and, you know, you're, you know, trying to get back to work. Did you feel like was the sabbatical for nothing? Like after you come back and you're still, this is
0: the same shit. Uh, No, it was, I I mean, yes, it, it was like coming back. Like it's not like things changed in the industry at all. Yeah. Right. It was still the same industry that I was going back into, but I did not feel like the sabbatical was was pointless because that sabbatical taught me what was really important to me in my life, you know? And it was like, I it gave me this glimpse of what my life could be like outside of that Hollywood system. I say this a lot, like Hollywood is a little bit like a cult. You know, It's it's ex- very exclusive, like it's hard to break in, and then once you're in there, you get brainwashed, you're surrounded by other people who are doing the same thing, and it's very insular, and you get brainwashed into thinking that there is no life outside of this career. And that's part of why it was so hard for me to leave. But when I took that sabbatical and I just became like a regular person out in the world, I saw that like, there's a whole world out here outside of this Hollywood system, and I don't need to belong to that world to be happy and to be, you know, to feel like a worthwhile person.
1: Yeah. And how did the sabbatical change how you dealt with those systems? Because I do feel like, you know, that awareness kind of like fosters an empowerment and that that's got to come through in the
0: work, right? How did it change how you dealt with those systems? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I was still crushed by the system. I mean, let's, let's be, you know, honest my career after, you know, post-sabbatical was not, you know, I wasn't breezing through it. Like it was obviously, it was still very frustrating. Otherwise I wouldn't have ultimately quit. So one of the things that I did on the sabbatical, you know, besides having fun, learning to do yoga, learning to meditate and going to therapy was I started to do some writing just for myself. And that was super important as well, because for such a long time, I was a writer for hire. That's what you are when you're a TV writer and it's and you get sort of ground down by this like schedule where you have to keep producing material like day after day after day and you never have any time to just like you know live some life and get inspired. Inspiration is ne- is is hardly ever part of that process of t- of TV writing. So when I took that break, I was able to start writing just for fun. I even took like a fiction writing class at UCLA Extension and started writing short stories for the first time since I was like in college and joined a writers group that did not involve anybody who was like a screenwriter, you know, these were just like regular people who would write stories in their free time. And it was just like this amazing experience of being able to see what my writing life could be like outside of Hollywood so even when I was I had gone back to work and I was in that grind I knew that the writing that I was doing for these jobs these TV jobs wasn't the end-all be-all
1: yeah and I totally relate to that um you know one thing I did do was come up with an artistic practice or a, a thing to do with my hands I do a lot of like Resin work, and um, you know, we were on on lockdown. It was COVID, so we couldn't do. I couldn't go to the ceramics place, but I learned about ceramics in the home and how to make things with your hands that'll like set up in thirty minutes. That way, you have a finished product. And it turns out that I'm able to bring that to the work now. That and it has nothing to do, yes, with podcasting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I learned how to sew. And for me, sewing is that thing. It's, it's, it's like, it's like making pottery, you know, it's, it's uh, something that you do with your hands. It's very different from the kind of work that I do as a writer, you know, uses a different part of the brain, I think. And it's just this, it's so satisfying to be able to make something, a piece of material with your hands that you can touch you know, and in my case, you know, with, with sewing, like it's things that I can actually wear or, you know, give to other people to wear. And, and that is just, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I do think that, you know, not that this is the point of it, but I do think that having a practice like that does inform the other work that you do. Yeah. Can I, let me
1: ask you a question. So we're talking about lockdown and you've gone through this whole lifetime of experiences, and I think the whole world was catching up to where you were at when we all had to lock down, right? <laughs> yeah. Did anyone come around and say like, oh, Patty, you were right. Like, <laughs> that, that
0: people that might've judged you for like taking this sabbatical, did anyone circle back? No, not really, I don't think, I don't feel like anyone judged me for taking a sabbatical. I, you know, maybe they did, but I didn't hear about it. What I do remember from the whole lockdown situation is people were, you know, flipping out over having to, you know, work from home or, or having to suddenly create their own schedules when before it was like their schedule was, was dictated by their their office, right? And so during the pandemic, it, it, people were like, "Oh, I don't know what to do with myself." And I, and that I remember thinking, like, "Okay, I do have a leg up there because, <laughs> because for so long I've just kind of created my own day, right? Like I've created my own schedule based on what my needs are." You know, I mean, yes, I sometimes I have work obligations that I have to take care of, but. It's, it's ever since I quit TV, like it's always been my schedule is for me, right? Like I I exercise when I want to, I work when I want to, I I do my, you know, extracurricular activities when I want to. and And I've always loved that. So when people were freaking out about like, I don't know what to do with myself, you know, it was like, give it a moment, give it, <laughs> take a minute. Yeah. Take a beat. And pretty soon you're going to see, you're going to see how awesome this is. Like if you just let yourself sink into it, embrace it, it's going to be amazing. I mean, there are all these people who were so-called thriving during the pandemic, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, and they would, and they would crow about it on social media, right? Like <laughs> about how amazing they were doing. And, and the thing is that like, Yes, I I mean I had my my mask making pras- practice that I that I did and that you know that got me through it but like a lot of the time I was just curled up in a ball like worrying that I was going to die from COVID or that you know what I mean or that our our society was falling apart like that let's not you know ignore the fact that all of that was going on and like the fact that like people felt that
1: wow look at me thriving it just shows how deeply we weren't before. Right. Yeah. That's how deep the problems were. So now let me ask you about, you know, with people being more vocal about those issues, about inequity, harassment in the workplace, workplace conditions, the time that you shared end credits with the world, right. Did you feel like this time, 2023, 2022, this was a safe time that that you'd be believed.
0: You know, I didn't really think about it that way. Like, it I, I got the book published when I was ready to get it published, and uh, so for for a long time, I didn't even feel comfortable showing my work to anybody because that's how much I got damaged by working in TV. Because there, there's just this like horrible way that that creative people are treated. Where it's just not supportive at all. And the feedback that you get is generally negative and it's not delivered in a way that is clear and compassionate. So, for a long, long time after I left TV, like I I was afraid to show anybody my work. And so, it took a very long time for me to write this book and even longer for me to share it with people. And it really wasn't until, you know, 2019, this is like, nine years after I started writing it that I felt comfortable even putting it out to like, you know, literary agents and thinking about getting it published. And this is all, this all had to do with just my own personal stuff that I had to work through. It had nothing to do what was with what was going on in society at large.
1: So for the people, and I just kind of like would love like a, a little summary sentence, like a Patty Lynn Lightning Round, what is the key to letting go of your work as an identity and finding fulfillment in life?
0: I, I what's coming to me is just start with whatever the first step is for you. For me the first step was taking the sabbatical. But, you know, maybe that's not the answer for everybody, but I think everybody has that little voice inside of them that's like I'd love to do this or like, you know, just that little fantasy in in the back of your mind. And usually that gets slapped down immediately, you know, by whatever our socialization tells us, right? but if you can just listen to that voice for a little bit longer and listen to what it's telling you, maybe that's the key. That could be the key to opening up a whole, you know, new world for you where it's not all about your work and your, your self-esteem isn't hanging on that.
1: That's our show this week. This episode of The Waves was produced by Vic Whitley-Berry. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thewaves@slate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different hosts, different topics, same time, same place. Thank you so much for being a Slate Plus member. And since you're a member, you get this weekly segment. Today, Patty Lynn and I are going to continue talking about her book and credits and a part of it that I could not stop thinking about. Okay, Patty, I'm just going to jump in because I really want to talk about how your personal relationships changed once you went on sabbatical. Let's start with your colleagues. You name some of them. You don't name some others. You changed some names.
0: Have you heard back from any of those folks? The people that I've heard from are the people who were with me in the trenches during that time and are, were like, oh my God, thank you for telling the truth. That was just some of our Slate Plus segment. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to slate.com slash the plus to become a Slate Plus member today. Slate.com slash plus.